This is the Mormon Mixed Faith Marriage Podcast with Certified Life Coach Brooke Booth, episode number 31. I had a recent interaction where someone asked me for resources to better understand a concept that I had introduced that's called emotional adulthood and emotional childhood. Now, that's a, those phrases I've learned from Brooke Castillo. Um, she teaches them at the Life Coach School, and that's where I'm certified as a life coach. So those phrases are hers, and I was using these phrases and teaching about them in the context of a mixed faith marriage. And I realized when I was interacting with this woman that I didn't have a great resource to point her to regarding emotional adulthood and emotional childhood as it relates to a mixed faith marriage. So I'm creating that here in this podcast. This podcast is for that. You can go to Brooke Castillo's podcast. It's called the Life Coach School Podcast. She has a podcast on emotional adulthood and emotional childhood, and it's excellent. And I would highly recommend it to learn more about these concepts and these topics. This podcast is going to be about how they apply to a mixed faith marriage. So let me tell you what they mean. And when I say emotional adulthood and emotional childhood, I'm not saying that if you are falling in one of these categories that you're more sophisticated or less sophisticated or that you're better or worse. When I use these phrases, it's like a dependency. And that's how I want you to think about it. Emotional childhood means you're emotionally dependent. You are dependent on others for your emotional well-being and regulation. For instance, if you feel unhappy, you think it's somebody else's fault. If you feel happy, it's also because of somebody else. This means you have very little control or even no control over your own emotional life. This also means that you want to control what others say and do or don't say and don't do so you can be okay emotionally so that you can be happy or experience the emotions you want to experience. Let me tell you about emotional adulthood. This is where you take full responsibility for your emotions. You're not dependent on another for your emotional well-being and regulation. You know your emotions are caused by your thoughts and not your circumstances. And when I say circumstances, a lot of times in this context, it means what others may say or what others may do. This means that you can really let others be exactly who they are. If they don't agree with you or don't validate you, that doesn't have to be a problem. Who they are and what they say is not a threat to your emotional well-being or your emotional regulation. Most of us, including myself, are emotional children most of the time. We, we live in a place of emotional childhood. And the more we can recognize the difference between the two and step into emotional adulthood, the more we can enjoy our relationships. So let me break it down and explore these concepts in the context of a Mormon mixed faith marriage. So my husband may say, and these are theoretical, and maybe I got them from my real life, but my husband may say he's not sure he can forgive me for my faith transition. If I was in a place of emotional childhood, this is how I might respond. Like I might think, I hate this. I hate he's still unhappy about it. It's been 
you know, three years, four years, five years, I hate that he's still unhappy about this. And when I look at that from the lens of a coach, what I also hear, there's like a dot, dot, dot after that is I'm dependent on him feeling better about my faith transition and our mixed faith marriage until I can feel better about it. If he's not happy about it, I can't be happy about it. This is emotional dependency. This is abdicating your emotional well-being and regulation to someone else. It's a very disempowering place to live. I like to think of it this way. You know you can't get sick to help sick people get well. And our unhappiness does not help others get happy. So if you are coming at this exact same situation from a place of emotional adulthood, it may sound like this. He's not happy about this. I can allow him his emotions. He is an adult and he gets to manage his own emotions. I'm not responsible for making him feel unhappy or happy. I am responsible for how I am showing up in this marriage. I take accountability and responsibility for that. If I'm rude or snippy or unkind, I apologize. I try to fix it. I do better. When we try to manage our spouse's emotions, it often means that we don't trust them to manage their own emotions themselves. We think they shouldn't feel sad or unhappy or disappointed. We think they should be different than they are. And I like to ask, why is that? What's the problem with them feeling sad or unhappy or disappointed? That is part of being human. Why do we want to narrow and limit our spouse's emotional lives? Okay, let's talk about it in another context. I hear this one a lot. It's my fault there's a strain in our marriage. It's my fault because of my faith transition. I just heard this one on the phone on Friday. So let's talk about how that is from emotional childhood. It means I cause his stress and sadness. And then like there's a dot, dot, dot again. The unconscious part here that isn't said is, therefore, I need to fix it. I need to convince him that I'm still a good person. I need to go above and beyond to show him I am kind and generous and that he should still stay with me and that we can still do this. I need him to think I'm a good person. Do you notice in emotional childhood, a lot of times there's this sort of, or maybe real, need to control the other person, what they're thinking, what they're feeling, and how they're acting. Because if we're dependent on that for our own happiness, we want to control that. So it often leads to some control, manipulation, passive behavior, where we complain or whine. Or we do these subtle things to try to change the other person to feel differently. Because then we think we can feel differently. Going back to emotional adulthood here for this situation. This is how it might sound like. Yes, I had a faith transition. Yes, this changed the dynamic in our relationship. Yes, we had certain plans and expectations. And I'm no longer buying into that. I've changed that. I own that. I also know my faith transition and my choices do not cause his pain and sorrow. I'm not responsible for his pain and sorrow. I'm not responsible for fixing them or for him feeling differently. I can love him and be with him 
in his pain and sorrow. Emotions are not problems to be fixed. They are part of life. If I were to diminish or limit his emotional experience, and when I cannot anyway, it would not be of service to him. Now, this idea is really hard for some people. Maybe you're out there thinking, but Brooke, it really is my fault. If I didn't have my faith transition, he wouldn't be unhappy. Therefore, I'm causing his unhappiness. It is my fault. I always think of it, you know, I was trained as an attorney. So I always think of, but for my faith transition, he would not feel this way. Those are legalistic terms. And this is what I want to say to that. Yes, he is feeling this way, maybe sad or disappointed or unhappy, or she. I'm using he because of my own husband. My spouse is feeling that way because of what he's choosing, or she is choosing to make your faith transition mean, or his or her faith transition. They're assigning their own meaning to you know, what has happened in the marriage. That's why they're feeling this way. They could make it mean something else. When we try to become the stewards of our spouse's emotions, we're constantly trying to anticipate, steer clear problems, smooth the path, and we often can't. And it's exhausting. Now, I'll be honest, sometimes it works. But it's because we get lucky and not because it's a true correlation. We cannot control others' thoughts and emotions. When we really focus on that instead and we spend all of our energy focusing on that, it often leads to so much frustration because we fail so much of the time in our efforts to try to control somebody else. A lot of times when we're focusing on that too, what we're not focusing on is what we can control, where we do have power, and that is on our own thoughts, feelings, and actions, how we're managing our own emotions, how we're showing up and acting in the relationship. When we put a lot of energy into focusing on what we cannot, that's a lot of times when we feel stuck and in these guilt loops and in disappointment because it creates so much powerlessness. I know emotional childhood is super normal. I've been there a lot. I'm there frequently, but developing the skill of emotional adulthood is really valuable. And this is something I do as a coach. I help my clients practice and develop the skill because when we show up as emotional adults, we take responsibility for our own emotions. We let our spouse be responsible for their own emotions. We're creating some interesting byproducts. Trust is one of those byproducts. I trust you to handle your own emotions. I don't need to come in and manage them for you. I trust me to manage my emotions. You don't need to be different than you are for me to feel how I want to feel in this relationship. Another interesting byproduct is a lot of times we create what I consider to be like that safe space that we so want in a marriage, that open space where both people are welcome in to show up exactly as who they are and where they are. A lot of times when we're in emotional childhood, we're trying to change the other person. So it's not safe for them to be who they are. We're like, okay, 
can you change this and tweak this and not say that and please feel this way so I can feel better? And that can diminish this safe space that we often want in our relationships where we can really be ourselves and take off the masks and the filters that we often wear with other people. And I'm not saying the mean filter. Sometimes that one should definitely stay on. But you know what I mean. A lot of times we want in our relationship to really be ourselves and to let the other person know who we are. And when emotional childhood is a pattern in our relationship and the other person needs to change what they're saying and what they're doing and how they're feeling so we can feel better, it's very difficult to create that safe space where they're truly okay showing up as who they are. And likewise, we often don't feel safe showing up as who we are when this is the pattern in our relationships. Another strategic byproduct or interesting byproduct of stepping in and developing the skill of emotional adulthood is it creates a different paradigm around emotions. Emotions, like when people say you're so emotional, that's not often a compliment. I would say never even. We often call things emotional when people are not when they're reacting poorly from their emotions, when they're not processing their emotions, when they're letting their emotions get the better of them. When we step into emotional adulthoods, we don't let their emotions become a threat to us. Your emotions are not a threat to me. Your emotions do not mean I did something wrong. Your emotions do not mean there's a problem in our marriage. We don't Take that, you know, showing of emotions and display of emotions and the fact that, frankly, we all feel emotions become a problem for our relationship and for our interaction. We normalize it. Now, I'm not saying that there's not work to be done around processing emotions and making sure we're not showing out in a reactive way. But I also don't want where emotions become stigmatized and not allowed to be present that's detrimental too so when we step into emotional emotional adulthood it's easier for us to do this normalizing of emotions and processing emotions because they're not so stigmatized they're not a because they're not a threat to your own well-being doesn't mean anything's wrong and it doesn't mean there's a problem it only means there's emotions that are being experienced by humans 100% normal So there are other strategic byproducts to really practicing emotional adulthood. What I would suggest is if you want to develop this skill, if you want to explore and really let these byproducts become part of your marriage, let's talk. A coach may be exactly what you need for you to step more and more and more into emotional adulthood as you interact in your mixed faith marriage. This is a skill I teach my clients regularly. There's a couple of ways you can work with me. I offer small groups just a few times a year. I have one coming up right around Memorial Day 2022. And right now I have a few slots open for one-on-one coaching. We go deep into this topic in the one-on-one coaching. We also touch on it in the group. If this is something you want to develop and work with me on, reach out to me. Go to brookboothcoaching.com. Schedule a free call and let's talk about your marriage and see if coaching is a good fit for you to make your mixed faith marriage something wonderful. All right, wishing you the best.